everyone. My name is uh, Peter. Yeah, I'm one of the youth ministers here. It's great to be with you tonight. Uh, we're looking at the Great Commission uh, in a post-colonial world tonight. What comes to mind for you when I talk about the words Christian and mission? Tonight I have one goal for us, and it is just to help us think and speak well about cross-cultural mission in our post-colonial world. That's the goal. <laughs> doesn't sound too big, does it? Uh, I, think, I think this is a big topic that extends to thinking about other nations and people groups. Uh, but tonight, I think we just need to do more thinking about how do we do mission well and in partnership with our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters. So to help us do that, I particularly want us thinking through the Great Commission and ask how would our First Nations peoples hear this? Uh, to help me in that, I, I'm not Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, uh, but I've asked a brother and sister in Christ who are to share their thoughts with me on this passage, and that's shaped what I'm sharing with you tonight. Uh, that's not to say that they would endorse everything I say, I own what I say. And just to start, I, I just want to acknowledge that for some of our, our First Nations peoples here, uh, simply hearing Jesus' words can raise a lot of big questions. Uh, for some of us, Christianity has been associated with bad policies and practices, including the forced removal of children, and it can be a challenge to hear these words of making disciples of other nations. In light of this, I'd like to actually open with an acknowledgement of country, and then, then I'd love to pray for us. Uh, so we acknowledge the triune God, the creator of heaven and earth, and his ownership of all things. We recognise that he gave stewardship of these lands upon which we meet to the First Nations peoples of this country. In his sovereignty, he has allowed other people groups to migrate to these shores. We acknowledge the cultures of our First Nations peoples and are thankful for the community that we share together now. And we pay our respects to the Wadi Wadi people of the Darul Nation and their elders, both past and present, and those who are rising up to become leaders. I also want to acknowledge any Aboriginal peoples here tonight and extend my respect and welcome to you. I'm going to pray for us now that we would find peace, joy, encouragement and challenge in Jesus' words tonight. So why don't you join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, your word is good. We know the reason why we gather today is that your people 2,000 years ago decided that the good news of your life, death and resurrection the good news of your saving work on the cross, the good news that our sin has been paid for, that we no longer need to experience your good anger against sin, the good news of following you and life in the Spirit, Lord, it was all just too good to keep to themselves. We are so thankful for those first Christians who decided that they could not help speaking about what they have heard. But Father, tonight we bring before you our questions, our hearts, our doubts, our frustrations, for some of us, Lord, our hurt. Father, help us with this. Give us a unity of purpose and mind. Give us peace and help us recommit to your great commission tonight. Help us to do this in a way that is respectful of all your children. Amen. So overview, I like a good overview. I also like a good three-point sermon, but unfortunately couldn't make it fit that tonight. Uh, so first we'll be looking at what Jesus says. Uh, firstly, the foundation of mission. Um, next, we're going to look at the command to mission. We're going to look at the goal of mission, the recipients of mission, and we'll, we'll take a short detour here and just, just look at a historical application uh, in a missionary couple, William and Ann Watson. 
Uh, We'll look at the task of mission, uh, baptising and teaching, and here we'll take another little detour and just just look at another way uh, Christians have tried to live this out in history. Uh, We'll particularly look at the ministry of Lancelot Threlkeld and how he partnered uh, with an Awabakal man named Biruban. Uh, We'll look at the assurance and time frame of mission, and then we'll try and bring all this together and put it into practice. So let's dive in. Uh, First we read of the foundation of mission. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the foundation. This is where we start. All authority is not given to us. It is not given to governments. It's not given to anyone else. Jesus has all authority. He has the authority to tell us what to do. And what Jesus is doing here is he's actually claiming to be the Son of Man, prophesied in the book of Daniel. In Daniel 7 we read, In my vision there before me was one like a Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. This is the foundation of mission. Jesus is the promised son of man, which is, can also be a really weird term for us, but just one dimension to that is that Jesus is a human, a son of a man. He identifies with humanity as one of us. He is distinct from us, absolutely. He is God, but he alone is the one who is able to approach the Lord as a man, who is able to be in his presence. And it is him, him alone, who is given authority, glory, and sovereign power. When I asked my Aboriginal uh, brother in Christ what his thoughts were on Jesus' authority, uh, he said, uh, what struck me as a First Nations person is the authority lies with the Lord in heaven and on earth. He goes on to say, I I believe that in contact with Western civilization, First Nations people, the first mistake, and I just thought this was so insightful, so I wanted to share it. The first mistake was that all authority didn't sit with the Lord, but the people on earth, taking that authority at times incorrectly into their hands because they knew what was best for First Nations people. He goes on to say, it is the Lord who knows what's best. What I learned from him as we do mission in a 21st century context is we need to be so careful about how we speak and teach about authority or even more so how we wield it. Making sure in all our actions, in every mission attempt, in every endeavour where we try to proclaim Christ, we make clear that Jesus is the one who has all authority, not us. We move from the foundation, Jesus' authority, to the command to mission, which is to fulfill prophecy. Jesus wants all nations and people worshipping the Son of Man, and it's not just a New Testament idea, it's right back there in Daniel 7, and Jesus says, go. Go. That is the command of mission. And lots of ink has been spilt about how how we should translate this. Uh, Some read it as while you're going, and, and they downplay any call to consider that we might actually need to leave where we are. Uh, Some so emphasise the need to leave where you are that they make it sound like everyone needs to be a cross-cultural missionary. 
And I think um, I'm going to short-circuit all that because I think the command becomes clearer as we think about who, what is the goal of mission and who are the recipients. If, if the command is to go, well, the goal of mission is to make disciples. And that word disciple, it's actually a, a learner, a student, to be a committed student of Jesus. And so already, as we're thinking about this goal, well, mission, it's not just about making as many converts as possible and off we go. There is absolutely a space for travelling evangelists. Absolutely, like history shows that it's so crucial. The Apostle Paul did short-term missions, uh, but that, that's not the whole calling here. This big mission the church is called to is to make other Christians who will commit themselves to becoming learners, who will commit themselves and, and move on to a point of Christian maturity where they are seeking to obey everything Jesus commanded. Man, if any of us could ever get there. But that, that's the goal, to actually obey everything Jesus commanded. That's what Jesus wants of us. The foundation is the authority of the Son of Man. The command is to go. The goal is to make mature Christians. And the recipients are all nations. And we've got to be careful here because nation as a nation state, it, it didn't quite exist the way it does now. Uh, they had empires and sovereign cities. If you've ever played Civ Six, you'll know what I mean. The city-states always trading your gold with your enemies. It sucks. But anyway, um, the point is, is that uh, Jesus isn't saying uh, once you've gone to all 193 United Nations recognized countries in the world, we're done. That is not what he's saying. No, he is talking about people groups. He is talking about all the peoples. All the peoples. I just, it should just say that. Go and make disciples of all the peoples. Which helps answer our question then. Do we go out? Do we stay? What do we do? It's, it's got to be both. We need people to stay and help build mature, committed disciples. But Jesus is saying we need to go out and reach all peoples, whether they're here in Wollongong or on another continent. And this is where things get particularly uh, controversial for us, spicy, I like that word, uh, because in our context, uh, we can read that and go, really, Jesus? You want me to go and make disciples of other people groups? Is that okay? Can I do that? I don't want to rush you to a conclusion on this. I think there's a really healthy tension here to think through, but I, I want to be clear about where, where I've landed. So here it is. The sins of the past do not justify inaction in the present. The sins of the past do not mean that we can ignore mission today. The mistakes, the good intentions, uh, ignorance, maliciousness of some in the past does not mean that we can ignore mission, particularly cross-cultural mission. Yes, terrible things have been done in the name of Jesus. Some ignorantly at best, others maliciously at worst. We have to recognise, name and own these terrible things, but the sins of the past does not give us a free ticket out of ignoring Matthew 28. The sins of the past mean we must learn from the mistakes. For the sake of the gospel and people hearing of the life-changing hope that we do believe is found in no one else, 
For the sake of people hearing that we are destined to die once and after that face judgment, we must actually try our best to set things right where we can and we have to model Jesus' way of mission to our world and also to each other. It's a big calling. <laughs> how, how, how do we do it? How do we learn from the mistakes in the past? Uh, I, I, think, I think one of the only ways we can do this is by actually trying our best to find out what happened. Uh, which is a lifelong commitment, and I've recently been challenged to actually look into uh, the history of missions uh, to our First Nations peoples. Uh, Just a full disclosure, I am absolutely not an expert. Uh, I've barely scratched the surface. This is just some of my own personal readings. Um, I'm just exploring the earliest mission attempts around the 1800s. haven't even gotten to 1900s. Uh, but tonight, I want to introduce you just to a small part of the story. Small, it's part of our story, actually, uh, in the people of William and Anne Watson. Uh, the Watsons were a CMS missionary couple who established an Aboriginal mission in Wellington, New South Wales. Uh, and I share a part of their story not to judge their faith. We've just done a whole series on 2 Samuel, yeah? I think we learnt very clearly that it is really hard to figure out are people good or bad or good people do bad things, bad people do good things. It's not about that. Uh, What it is is for us to learn from them. Uh, And and what I've learned is that in 1843, uh, William Watson published an article in the Sydney Morning Herald about this Aboriginal mission in Wellington which is already just so crazy, isn't it? Like, can you imagine us, our mission committees or something, like publishing our mission reports in the Sydney Morning I just can't even, it's such a different world. I hope that's just helpful for us to try and get our heading gear of what, what their life was like. Such a different world. Uh, but he wrote in 1843, uh, and he wrote this publicly, uh, in the past year, uh, six additional children have been brought under instruction and are now reading the Holy Scriptures. He writes, we have 28 connected with this establishment by whom all the labour is performed. No European servant being kept. His passion for evangelism is so clear. He says, we have never had any other aim than leading these children to an acquaintance with Christ, but he cannot help but add and training them in the habits of industry. Uh, The mission was ultimately deemed a failure by CMS. I think it was closed down the very next year. But uh, what I find most concerning uh, by reading some of these early mission accounts and some of his uh, reports is, is this attitude of seeing the goal of mission was to both share the gospel and to train young Aboriginal people in Western culture. There are obvious mistakes of the past, like blatant racism, violence, stealing land, the subtle mistakes, the easy mistake, is confusing one's own cultural practices for Jesus' commands. It's really a history of the church, isn't it? When you think about everything that happened in the Reformation and the need to reform, all of it, it's all about having Jesus' commands and more. So what do we do about it? The question at the heart of the mistake is, what is the task of mission? What are we actually being called to do here? And Jesus says there are two tasks. Uh, One, teaching others to obey everything Jesus commanded. And two, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to spare you a full detailed theology baptism tonight. I wrote it all out. I'm like, oh, we're already going over time tonight. So that's another one. Uh, I don't want us to think about that tonight. I do want us to think about this job of baptizing others to obey everything Jesus commanded. Because I think in mission, this is probably where we go wrong. I do want to say that sometimes teaching what Jesus commands will clash with culture. Sometimes it will be offensive. In the book of Acts, we read that when Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus, so many people gave up worshipping false idols that it put the silversmiths out of business. People in society at the time were absolutely not happy with that. There will always be something offensive in telling people Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. With that said, where we go wrong as Christians is when we try to teach Jesus' commands and more. Everything Jesus commanded and our own cultural Christian heritage. And and for the Watsons, they, like many others, uh, were convinced our Aboriginal people needed to be committed to a European farming settled lifestyle. To help us think about another way, I actually want to look at um, an- another missionary, a, c- a contemporary at the time, and I, I want to introduce you to um, a man named Lancelot Threlkeld. Uh, one, because he has an epic name, we just don't name him like we used to, sounds like a knight on a quest or something. Uh, but <laughs> two, <laughs> he, w- he was a missionary uh, to the Awabakal people. And from, from what I can gather, as, as best as I can determine, he seemed to genuinely partner with them. Uh, Wabakal territory spread from Wollombi in the west uh, to the lower Hunter River near Newcastle and Lake Macquarie in the north. And we, seen that, we see that he seemed to develop a genuine relationship and respect uh, for an Aboriginal man named Biraban. And together, Threlkeld and Biraban, they actually translated the Gospel of Luke into a Wabakal together. And what's so cool is that that Threlkeld then, uh, they were able to go on and publish one of the first textbooks with Biraban's help of the Awabakal language. And I I don't, you should fact check me on this, but I think as far as I could figure out, it was one of the first textbooks of of the Aboriginal, of one of the Aboriginal languages. Um, And I, I just found that encouraging and it then went on to become really important in language reclamation. Uh, But not not only this, he, he actually saw part of his ministry was helping them in court. He did this in partnership with Biraban, and together they helped um, Aboriginal peoples navigating this legal system that had been imposed on them. Uh, Biraban took the role of reporting harm to, of his people to Threlkeld, and then Threlkeld, his role, was actually using this uh, position of authority to actually publicly speak out against the massacre of Aboriginal peoples. In, in a public report in 1837, he, he calculated that in the, in the region of his mission, uh, which was uh, westwards into the Liverpool Plains, around 500 Aboriginal peoples had been massacred in a year and a half. Why though, why though was he doing it differently? Why was he able to do it differently to his culture? I genuinely think it seems to have been from his beliefs. He, he writes, human nature is just the same whether cloaked with alabaster skin or black exterior, made in the image of God. Accidental circumstances, he writes, may make individual differences, but it is of one blood that God has made all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. He's, he's alluding to Acts 17.26 there. 
His high view of the dignity of his fellow human beings comes from the Bible, comes from his Lord. And by looking at his relationship with Biraban and what they achieved together, I am absolutely convinced, I'm absolutely convinced there is a way to do mission today, to do cross-cultural mission that respects human dignity and sets forth the exclusive truth, hope and life of the gospel. This takes us to the assurance that Jesus gives us and the time frame of mission, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. Jesus says to his disciples, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And there's two things that, that I take away from Jesus' words here. Firstly, we are not alone. We are not alone as we do mission. Boy, this would be an absolutely impossible, overwhelming, scary task. It, already, it is enough, but we are not alone, Yeah as we go out and do life, as we go out and try to help others come to know our Lord, Jesus is spiritually with us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and I'm absolutely convinced that mission will be entirely ineffective without him. And if that doesn't comfort us, don't know what will. (laughs) Our Lord is with us. And secondly, really importantly, is the time frame of mission. I wrestled quite a while with, is Jesus just saying this to the eleven? That was a sneaky thought in the back of my mind. Is this message really for the church today? Can I get out of it? And you you can answer this question from other parts of Scripture, but why would Jesus comfort his disciples saying he is with them always to the very end of the age if mission wasn't going to continue until the very end of the age? The command is till the very end of the age. We can't get away from it. So putting it into practice, what's our part in it? Thanks, Pete, for the sermon. What am I meant to do with this? Uh, I, had, I had one goal, to be honest, just one goal, and it's just to try and um, help us think and speak well about cross-cultural mission uh, with our First Nations peoples. That's the goal. Uh, I, I think uh, the only way we'll be able to do this is if we actually know something of our shared history with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. I I think we, church, actually have a particular responsibility to know our role in the history of missions. And I've found this both crushing and and encouraging and challenging. Uh, I think for many of us, maybe it's just people my age. I I don't know whether it's just us. We're we're the problem, aren't we? Uh, we? We will never have the confidence of previous generations, the confidence of preaching Christ boldly to everyone, regardless of race, skin, colour, cultural heritage, we are never going to reclaim that. We are never going to reclaim a sense of urgency for mission unless we actually understand what was it that went wrong? How can we try to help heal it where possible? How can we learn from these mistakes And do we believe that this command that Jesus said 2,000 years ago is just as relevant for us today? I think we can do this if we commit to a model of mission called vulnerable mission. This is just one way that um, that CMS in particular are trying to work through some of these issues. Um, Director of Training and Development at CMS, David Williams, says, uh, because of the power imbalances that often exist between people doing mission and the people they are trying to reach, Uh, This might be a financial status, education, even just this uh, spiritual authority that they have. 
Uh, he advocates for vulnerable mission. He says we should try to create unequal partnerships where Western mission is deliberately and intentionally seeking to act from a position of weakness. He's got a lot of points under this. I don't have time to go through all of them. One that I found, I don't know what to do with this. I just want to share it with everyone. <laughs> is He says, mission should be conducted as far as possible, as far as possible using locally available resources. We should avoid injecting large sums of external funding into mission and development contexts because Western mission and Western development can be used to control if we decide to operate the mission using only locally available resources, we are giving away power. That doesn't mean we don't raise funds. Wouldn't that be a nice tick? Oh, yeah, cool, we just get to focus on ourselves with our finances. That's not what he's trying to say. What he is encouraging us to think through and ask for, for those of us in these positions of, of, of authority and power is who controls this? Uh, and if it's not local indigenous Christians, we need to be extremely careful in that space. Uh, there's so much more to it. It's just, yeah, just barely scratching the surface. Um, but for, for those of us who are, you know, we're just trying to help people know Jesus just in our day-to-day life. We just, we just want our friends, family to know. I, I think if we are genuinely listening to Jesus' call to make disciples of all peoples, uh, particularly those who are considered less by society, those on the outskirts, those who are disadvantaged, then our missions, whether they are short-term or long-term, whether they're just personal and our own private endeavour or whether it's something that we're doing in a larger community, it will involve mission to all sorts of vulnerable people, including our First Nations peoples. And I think that's because Jesus met and ministered to so many vulnerable people. And so our job then in those spaces is to try and learn how do, we, how do we live out this Great Commission and level the playing field? How do we live out this Great Commission and share the gospel from a place of weakness rather than a place of comfort and security and authority? Vulnerable mission, I think, is far more like the mission attitude of Christ himself, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. I think that's the kind of mission our world needs, and maybe if we did more mission like this, we'd be able to start to heal from that moral injury on the church of the impacts of colonisation. Can we pray together, Fig Tree, that we would commit to this type of mission? And tonight's talk might have raised all sorts of questions for you. We, we would love to hear them as, as the ministry team. Maybe, maybe you're new and you're thinking, I would just love to, to think this through with, with, um, with a bunch of people about this, this gospel, this Christianity, that it sounds so important that you guys are prepared to give up your lives and livelihoods for this, for people you've never, you've never met. I want to know more about that. Can I encourage you? Uh, we've got these response cards around, um, and on the back is an option to express interest in a course called Hope Explored, and I'd really encourage you. That'll be an awesome space to get to understand more what, it, what is it that's driving this. Uh, but may, maybe you want to go further tonight, and maybe tonight you're actually thinking, I've been holding back on Jesus, and I just want to fully commit to him tonight.
Maybe you're thinking, I actually just want to follow Jesus for the first time, this one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and if you would like to commit your life to following Jesus, both now and for eternity, if you want to commit your life to becoming a lifelong learner, and and here's the hard part, uh, obeying everything he has commanded, can you join me in this prayer? For others, it might be a no thanks, not me. Totally appreciate your honesty. Uh, can, can I ask that you also just share, share that with us? Just, just let us know. We, we'd love to hear. Um, we, we'd also love, if, if you're up for it, we, we'd love to meet up with you. Just one-on-one, chat through some of these objections, just whatever's going on there. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, a prayer now of commitment. And you might want to pray this for the first time. Maybe you've been a Christian for your entire life. I just, if, if, if this is something you wanted to commit to tonight, uh, please say amen. Lord, we commit our lives tonight to you. We know you are the Son of Man who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Lord, we acknowledge we have sinned against you. We have rejected your claim over our lives. Lord, we repent. We turn back to you. Lord, we know that this free gift of being able to turn back to you is only possible because your son took our punishment for us. Thank you for your sacrificial death on the cross for dying in my place. Lord, help me to commit to you both now and forever. Help us to take seriously this call to share this hope that we have to make disciples of all people. Amen. If you prayed a prayer like that for the first time, that is the best decision you will ever make. And Jesus' promise to you is that surely he is with you always to the very end of the age. We we would love to know if if you've made a decision tonight that you haven't shared with others before, we would love to know that's what those cards are there for. We would love to have follow-up conversations with you and just help you learn what it means to follow this Lord. Uh, I'm going to hand over to the band now and they're going to lead us in worship.